0: section 14 of good sense this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by roger maline good sense by paul Henri tiery baron dolbach translator unknown section 14 parts 141 through 149 141 religion the weakest barrier that can be opposed to the passions To oppose the passions and present interests of men the obscure notions of a metaphysical, inconceivable god, the incredible punishments of another life, or the pleasures of the heaven, of which nobody has the least idea, is not this combating realities with fictions? Men have never any but confused ideas of their god. They see him only in clouds, They never think of him when they are desirous to do evil. Whenever ambition, fortune, or pleasure allures them, God's threatenings and promises are forgotten. In the things of this life there is a degree of certainty which the most lively faith cannot give to the things of another life. Every religion was originally a curb invented by legislators who wished to establish their authority over the minds of rude nations like nurses who frighten children to oblige them to be quiet the ambitious used the name of the gods to frighten savages and had recourse to terror in order to make them support quietly the yoke they wished to impose are then the bugbears of infancy made for riper age at the age of maturity no man longer believes them or if he does they excite little emotion in him and never alter his conduct one forty two honor is more salutary and powerful bond than religion almost every man fears what he sees much more than what he does not see he fears the judgments of men of which he feels the effects more than the judgments of god of whom he has only fluctuating ideas The desire of pleasing the world, the force of custom, the fear of ridicule and of censure have more force than all religious opinions. Does not the soldier, through fear of disgrace, daily expose his life in battle even at the risk of incurring eternal damnation? The most religious persons have often more respect for a varlet than for God. A man who firmly believes that God sees everything, and that he is omniscient and omnipresent, will be guilty, when alone, of actions which he would never do in presence of the meanest of mortals. Those who pretend to be the most fully convinced of the existence of God every moment act as if they believe the contrary. 143. Religion does not restrain the passions of kings let us at least it will be said cherish the idea of a god which alone may serve as a barrier to the passions of kings but can we sincerely admire the wonderful effects which the fear of this god generally produces upon the minds of princes who are called his images what idea shall we form of the original if we judge of it by the copies Sovereigns, it is true, call themselves the representatives of God, his vicegerents upon earth. But does the fear of a master more powerful than they are incline them seriously to study the welfare of the nations whom Providence has entrusted to their care? Does the pretended terror which ought to be inspired into them by the idea of an invisible judge to whom alone they acknowledge themselves accountable for their actions, Render them more equitable, more compassionate, more sparing of blood and treasure of their subjects, more temperate in their pleasures, more attentive to their duties? In fine, does this God, by whose authority kings reign, deter them from inflicting a thousand evils upon the people to whom they ought to act as guides, protectors, and fathers? Alas, if we survey the whole earth, we shall see men almost everywhere governed by tyrants who use religion merely as an instrument to render more stupid the slaves whom they overwhelm under the weight of their vices or whom they sacrifice without mercy to their extravagancies far from being a check upon the passions of kings religion by its very principles frees them from all restraint it transforms them into divinities whose caprice the people are never permitted to resist while it gives up the reins to princes and on their part breaks the bonds of the social compact it endeavors to chain the minds and hands of their oppressed subjects is it then surprising that the gods of the earth imagine everything lawful for them and regard their subjects only as instruments of their caprice or ambition IN EVERY COUNTRY, RELIGION HAS REPRESENTED THE MONARCH OF NATURE AS A CRUEL, FANTASTICAL, PARTIAL TYRANT WHOSE CAPRICE IS LAW. THE MONARCH GOD IS BUT TOO FAITHFULLY IMITATED BY HIS REPRESENTATIVES UPON EARTH. RELIGION SEEMS EVERYWHERE INVENTED SOLELY TO LULL THE PEOPLE IN THE LAP OF SLAVERY IN ORDER THAT THEIR MASTERS MAY EASILY OPPRESS THEM OR RENDER THEM WRETCHED WITH IMPUNITY. 144. ORIGIN OF THE DIVINE right OF KINGS To guard against the enterprises of a haughty pontiff who wished to reign over kings, to shelter their persons from the attempts of credulous nations excited by the priests, several European princes have pretended to hold their crowns and rights from God alone, and to be accountable only to Him for their actions. After a long contest between the civil and spiritual power, the former at length triumphed, and the priests, forced to yield, acknowledged the divine right of kings and preached them to the people, reserving the liberty of changing their minds and of preaching revolt whenever the divine rights of kings clashed with the divine rights of the clergy. It was always at the expense of nations That peace was concluded between kings and priests, but the latter, in spite of treaties, always preserved their pretensions. Tyrants and wicked princes, whose consciences continually reproach them with negligence or perversity, far from fearing their God, had rather deal with this invisible judge who never opposes anything, or with his priests who are always condescending to the rulers of the earth than with their own subjects the people reduced to despair might probably appeal from the divine right of their chiefs men when oppressed to the last degree sometimes become turbulent and the divine rights of the tyrant are then forced to yield to the natural rights of the subjects it is cheaper dealing with gods than men kings are accountable for their actions to god alone priests are accountable only to themselves. There is much reason to believe that both are more confident of the indulgence of heaven than of that of earth. It is much easier to escape the vengeance of gods who may be cheaply appeased than the vengeance of men whose patience is exhausted. If you remove the fear of an invisible power, what restraint will you impose upon the passions of sovereigns? LET THEM LEARN TO REIGN. LET THEM LEARN TO BE JUST, TO RESPECT THE RIGHTS OF THE PEOPLE, AND TO ACKNOWLEDGE THE KINDNESS OF THE NATIONS FROM WHOM THEY HOLD THEIR GREATNESS AND POWER. LET THEM LEARN TO FEAR MEN, AND TO SUBMIT TO THE LAWS OF EQUITY. LET NOBODY TRANSGRESS THESE LAWS WITH IMPUNITY, AND LET THEM BE EQUALLY BINDING UPON THE POWERFUL AND THE WEAK, THE GREAT AND THE SMALL the sovereign and the subjects the fear of gods religion and the terrors of another life are the metaphysical and supernatural bulwarks opposed to the impetuous passions of princes are these bulwarks effectual let experience resolve the question to oppose religion to the wickedness of tyrants is to wish that vague uncertain unintelligible speculations may be stronger than propensities which everything conspires daily to strengthen. 145. Religion is fatal to political ameliorations. The immense service of religion to politics is incessantly boasted. But a little reflection will convince us that religious opinions equally blind both sovereigns and people and never enlighten them upon their true duties or interests religion but too often forms licentious immoral despots obeyed by slaves whom everything obliges to conform to their views for want of having studied or known the true principles of administration the objects and rights of social life the real interests of men and their reciprocal duties princes in almost every country have become licentious absolute and perverse and their subjects abject wicked and unhappy it was to avoid the trouble of studying these important objects that recourse was had to chimeras which far from remedying anything have hitherto only multiplied the evils of mankind and diverted them from whatever is most essential to their happiness does not the unjust and cruel manner in which so many nations are governed manifestly furnish one of the strongest proofs not only of the small effect produced by the fear of another life but also of the non-existence of a providence busied with the fate of the human race if there existed a good god should we not be forced to admit that in this life he strangely neglects the greater part of mankind it would seem that this God has created nations only to be the sport of the passions and follies of his representatives upon earth. One forty six Christianity preaching implicit obedience to despotism. By reading history with attention, we shall perceive that Christianity, at first weak and servile, established itself among the savages and free nations of Europe only intimating to their chiefs that its religious principles favored despotism and rendered them absolute. Consequently, we see barbarous princes suddenly converted. That is, we see them adopt, without examination, a system so favorable to their ambition and use every art to induce their subjects to embrace it. If the ministers of this religion have since often derogated from their favorite principles, it is because the theory influences the conduct of the ministers of the Lord only when it suits their temporal interests. Christianity boasts of procuring men a happiness unknown to preceding ages. It is true the Greeks knew not the divine rights of tyrants or of the usurpers of the rights of their country under paganism it never entered the head of any man to suppose that it was against the will of heaven for a nation to defend themselves against a ferocious beast who had the audacity to lay waste their possessions the religion of the christians was the first that screened tyrants from danger by laying down as a principle that the people must renounce the legitimate defence of themselves thus christian nations are deprived of the first law of nature which orders man to resist evil and to disarm whoever is preparing to destroy him if the ministers of the church have often permitted the people to revolt for the interest of heaven they have never permitted them to revolt for their own deliverance from real evils or known violences from heaven came the chains that were used for fettering the minds of mortals why is the mohammedan everywhere a slave because his prophet enslaved him in the name of the deity as moses had before subdued the jews in all parts of the earth we see that the first legislators were the first sovereigns and the first priests of the savages to whom they gave laws Religion seems invented solely to exalt princes above their nations, and rivet the fetters of slavery. As soon as the people are too unhappy here below, priests are ready to silence them by threatening them with the anger of God. They are made to fix their eyes upon heaven, lest they should perceive the true causes of their misfortunes, and apply the remedies which nature presents. 147. ONE OBJECT OF RELIGIOUS PRINCIPLES. ETERNIZE THE TYRANNY OF KINGS. By dint of repeating to men that the earth is not their true country, that the present life is only a passage, that they are not made to be happy in this world, that their sovereigns hold their authority from God alone and are accountable only to Him for the abuse of it, that it is not lawful to resist them, etc., priests have eternized the misgovernment of kings and the misery of the people the interests of nations have been basely sacrificed to their chiefs the more we consider the dogmas and principles of religion the more we shall be convinced that their sole object is the advantage of tyrants and priests without regard to that of societies to mask the impotence of its deaf gods religion has persuaded mortals that iniquities always kindle the wrath of heaven people impute to themselves alone the disasters that daily befall them if nations sometimes feel the strokes of convulsed nature their bad governments are but too often the immediate and permanent causes from whence proceed the continual calamities which they are forced to endure are not the ambition negligence vices and oppressions of kings and nobles generally the causes of scarcity beggary wars pestilences corrupt morals and all the multiplied scourges which desolate the earth in fixing men's eyes continually upon heaven in persuading them that all their misfortunes are effects of divine anger in providing none but ineffectual and futile means to put an end to their sufferings, we might justly conclude that the only object of priests was to divert nations from thinking about the true sources of their misery, and thus to render it eternal. The ministers of religion conduct themselves almost like those indigent mothers who, for want of bread, sing their starved children to sleep, or give them playthings to divert their thoughts from afflicting hunger blinded by error from their very infancy restrained by the invisible bonds of opinion overcome by panic terrors their faculties blunted by ignorance how should the people know the true causes of their wretchedness they imagine that they can avert it by invoking the gods alas do they not see that it is in the name of these gods that they are ordered to present their throats to the sword of their merciless tyrants in whom they might find the obvious cause of the evils under which they groan and for whom they cease not to implore in vain the assistance of heaven ye credulous people in your misfortunes redouble your prayers offerings and sacrifices throng to your temples fast in sackcloth and ashes, bathe yourselves in your own tears, and above all, completely ruin yourselves to enrich your gods. You will only enrich their priests. The gods of heaven will be propitious only when the gods of the earth shall acknowledge themselves men like you, and shall devote to your welfare the attention you deserve. 148. Fatal it is to persuade kings they are responsible to God alone. Negligent, ambitious, and perverse princes are the real causes of public misfortunes. Useless, unjust wars depopulate the earth. Encroaching and despotic governments absorb the benefits of nature. The rapacity of courts discourages agriculture extinguishes industry, produces want, pestilence, and misery. Heaven is neither cruel nor propitious to the prayers of the people. It is their proud chiefs who have almost always hearts of stone. It is destructive to the morals of princes to persuade them that they have God alone to fear when they injure their subjects or neglect their happiness sovereigns it is not the gods but your people that you offend when you do evil it is your people and yourselves that you injure when you govern unjustly in history nothing is more common than to see religious tyrants nothing more rare than to find equitable vigilant enlightened princes a monarch may be pious punctual in a servile discharge of the duties of his religion very submissive and liberal to his priests and yet at the same time be destitute of every virtue and talent necessary for governing to princes religion is only an instrument destined to keep the people more completely under the yoke by the excellent principles of religious morality a tyrant who during a long reign has done nothing but oppress his subjects wresting from them the fruits of their labor sacrificing them without mercy to his insatiable ambition a conqueror who has usurped the provinces of others slaughtered whole nations and who during his whole life has been a scourge to mankind imagines his conscience may rest when to expiate so many crimes he has wept at the feet of a priest who generally has the base complaisance to console and encourage a robber whom the most hideous despair would too lightly punish for the misery he has caused upon earth one forty nine a devout king is the scourge of his kingdom a sovereign sincerely devout is commonly dangerous to the state credulity always supposes a contracted mind devotion generally absorbs the attention which a prince should pay to the government of his people obsequious to the suggestions of his priests he becomes the sport of their caprices the favourer of their quarrels and the instrument and accomplice of their follies which he imagines to be of the greatest importance among the most fatal presents which religion has made the world ought to be reckoned those devout and zealous monarchs who under an idea of working for the welfare of their subjects have made it a sacred duty to torment persecute and destroy those who thought differently from themselves a bigot at the head of an empire is one of the greatest scourges a single fanatical or knavish priest listened to by a credulous and powerful prince suffices to put a state in disorder. In almost all countries, priests and pious persons are entrusted with forming the minds and hearts of young princes destined to govern nations. What qualifications have instructors of this stamp? By what interests can they be animated? Full of prejudices themselves, they will teach their pupil to regard superstition as almost important and sacred, its chimerical duties as most indispensable, intolerance and persecution as the true foundation of his future authority. They will endeavor to make him a party leader, a turbulent fanatic, a tyrant. They will early stifle his reason and forewarn him against the use of it. They will prevent truth from reaching his ears. They will exasperate him against true talents, and prejudice him in favor of contemptible ones. In short, they will make him a weak devotee who will have no idea either of justice or injustice, nor of true glory, nor of true greatness, and who will be destitute of the knowledge and virtues necessary to the government of a great nation such is the plan of the education of a child destined one day to create the happiness or misery of millions of men end of section fourteen recording by roger